Welcome back to Football School. I am Tate Frazier, and I am joined by Charlie Hume. And Charlie, we are 1-1. One one. We officially did it. We got the first W of the season against Georgia State. We got we avoided the trap game. We are officially T-R-A-P, trap stars. We finally did it, Charlie. I'm excited. We have something to celebrate for the first time. We do, and, and we, we went over all the trap games last week. And this is one where we I think we sharpied a W in here, and so glad that that wasn't Eventually, like a secret. We, like a, we came around to it, yeah. We, we were dejected after week one but we came around to it and got that w in it wasn't it wasn't a trap trap game it wasn't a double trap game we got that out of the way that's good now this is virginia week and that is one that we circled with a big sharpie as a tr- yes. as a trap game so i'm doing this for the third straight week in a row i'm gonna do a visual thing on an audio <laughs> medium i'm wearing my ronald curry jersey this is Ooh. this is a this is a nike ronald curry jersey because this is from the era when if you even suggested to someone that jordan brand would someday make football gear you get laughed out of whatever venue yes. you're in but I'm well they would look at you and say he plays basketball and then that would be the end of the conversation because you're like yeah i guess that does make sense why would a basketball player be on a football jersey but then we realized that you jump in football so anybody can be a jump man so that that was a long and winding diversion from the fact that yes we avoided the trap (laughs) trap game we are one and one and we are heading into virginia week and you know what i mean we'll we'll dig into it here i'm curious to hear your initial thoughts on the game but basically it's one of those games where scoreline looks great but i think we're all kind of leaving with a little bit of an uneasy (laughs) feeling yeah it, it seems like you know the carolina fans if you go on the message boards you know i worked at inside carolina uh you worked uh literally everywhere and also we both worked <laughs> at the same radio station at curtis media group which is you know the david glenn show where people would call in you know in the in the local triangle area and they'd give their thoughts on the game this was very much a uh a moral loss you know what i mean like you know there are moral victories like florida state week one against notre dame that was a moral victory it did feel like even though north carolina blows out uh, you know, Georgia State, and, and and it looks good, like you said, in the box score. The sentiment coming out of this game, if we were calling in to, to the radio to David Glenn, that we would be very upset, you know what I mean? We'd be talking about the D-line and the O-line and the fact that, you know, pretty much it seemed like Georgia State could run whenever they wanted to, and we could not run the ball as North Carolina, and that's what we did so well last year. So it, it does seem like we're, we're kind of in a crisis mode, even though maybe we shouldn't be, Charlie, because, again, we did blow out Georgia State. It was not a close game, but it felt closer than the box score you know, basically tells us. I, I love the school group project as like a metaphor for various things <laughs> in life, whether or not the metaphor actually works. And, and in this instance, it kind of feels like we did a really bad job on our first project. And our teacher's like, yeah. hey, Carolina. Go get your stuff together. Like, go do a good job on this one so you can bump your grade up. And we we kind of like, you know, we were like, okay, we'll do a little bit better. We kind of put it together pretty quickly. And the, the cover of the project looks great in presentation. <laughs> yeah, the you cover bring, looks great. The cover yeah. looks great. You bring the we teacher. We went to Staples. And they're like, good yeah. good job, Carolina. Like, you, you're, you're going to get an A for this work. This all looks great. But you know that buried within that group project, there's some kind of shoddily done work, some stuff that was hastily slapped together. And, and in yeah. this specific, you know, poorly drawn metaphor, uh, I think the <laughs> lines are where we have to look first, the offensive and the defensive lines, because yes. it's now the trenches. We watched the better parts of two games where both of those lines that we were both excited about got handled pretty good by both Virginia Tech and Georgia State at times. You know, that, that second yeah. quarter looked pretty bleak on, on both sides of the ball. And, <laughs> and I think the head-scratcher there is that the offensive line, again, you're returning five starters. I know, okay, so, we, so Brian Anderson was at the first game, huge loss, center. Huge loss. Uh, yeah. uh, Josh Zudu 
uh, was went out against Georgia State, and you know he's being questionable eva- this week, right? Yeah, yeah. like going to be evaluated during the week. Hopefully, he can play against Virginia because he's a, a real key piece. So okay, so maybe you don't have all five of those guys, but still an experienced line. You're returning. That's a line that should dominate Georgia State. We didn't really see that happen. And on the defensive side of the ball, it's like you you know still younger guys, but growing into those roles, and there's some experience in there as well. And, and that's when you expect to you know, at least, you know, put up a fight at the point of attack on, on most plays. And, and we're still, you know, the ball is being run on us pretty easily. It, it's just, yeah. it's just worrying. It, it's not, I'll say it this way, going into Virginia week, we know it's going to be a tough test. <laughs> That's not a real inspiring sight. Absolutely. Nobody left that game inspired. And I think you said it perfectly. The second quarter, regardless of what happened in the third and the fourth quarter, and you could get excited for Chris Well, who comes in and throws his first touchdown. You know, that was a lot of fun to see. Um, but, But aside from the good that we had that we could really hang our hats on, the second quarter, the stench of the second quarter sticks in your mind, which, you know, for me, I, I, I try to spin everything forward in a positive light as best I can in this life. And, you know, I always remembered last year, we were the second half heels. You know what I mean? We came out in the second half, and that's where we won football games. We, we always kind of had a little bit of a rough start out of the gate. So there, there's some of this where, like, that that's who we are as a team. We wear you down. We love the fourth quarter. That's when we're going to make our, you know, our, our, our final push. And Sam is usually so great in the fourth quarter. He didn't even have to really play in this fourth quarter, thank God. So, you know, these are all the normal things that you would say would be positive. But then you look at the box score again. Sam Howell cannot be the leading rusher of this team. And if he is, then we might see Chris Well a, a lot more often than we would like as a team. And if Sam Howell who I want him to be in this Heisman conversation. I want to shoot him to the moon, as the kids would say. We need him to be healthy. We need him to stay upright. And I know he's a very tough guy. But having him rush and, and, and be you know involved in so many rushing plays where we're calling rushes because we need some sort of you know <laughs> point of it. Like you said, we need something at the point of attack on, with our offensive line to get a push. And uh, Sam out of the shotgun and with some of these you know misdirections and things like that have been able to get him into space and, and to get some nice runs. But he's also taking shots. That scares me as we get into the you know Miamis of the world, the Florida States of the world that have some of these five-star talents that want to knock him out of the game. That that they might tee off on him, so we have to establish some sort of run game. I would love to see Hood get more than four carries. You know, I, that's that's the one guy that I think you and I, my brother Gil, I mean, every single person that you know always looks at the next guy is like maybe he's the answer. We're all looking at Caleb Hood and saying, put him in the game, coach, and, and let's see if he can help establish some sort of run game. Because right now, I miss Javante dearly. I miss Michael Carter dearly, and then I'm I'm watching Monday Night Football, and you know. Our, Tyshawn Williams is scoring touchdowns for the Baltimore Ravens. So, you know, every single North Carolina running back is thriving out in this world, except for the ones that we actually have in our backfield. And we got to figure it out ASAP or we're going to have some real problems. And Sam, please stay safe. That's all I got to say. Sam Howell. Stay safe. Protect this man at all costs. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the the Florida States and the Miamis of the world wanting to knock Sam out, and certainly that will be the case, probably especially <laughs> Miami after the last two years playing yeah. against Sam. But even the Virginias of the world, like we're we're going to come back to this quote uh, in numerous junctures, but here is a hot piece of bulletin board material if you're a Carolina fan or player mm. this week from Virginia defensive end Mandy Alonso. That is correct. He is. What's his name? His name is Mandy Alonso. Okay. Uh, so let me just read this quote to you. It's our culture versus theirs. We're going mm. to go harder, longer each play and the whole game than they will. Even if they come out swinging we just have to be able to sustain it, and we know they can't sustain it because the past four years they haven't been able to. So, like, the, mm. this is clearly a team that's coming in who's won their first two games. It feels like we're 
you know, a contender in the ACC and probably better than Carolina. So they're going to be looking to take shots at, at Sam. They're, they're going to be looking to handle, you know, both the offensive and the defensive line and show they're tougher. Like quotes like that, you can tell like that's a, that's a shared sentiment within that locker room. Um, I don't necessarily buy into that all the way. I think we have a great culture, but I think that culture notwithstanding, like we got to run the ball better. And yes, yeah. Sam Howell cannot be your leading rusher. And it was, you know, Ty Chandler, okay, you know, 58 yards on 15 carries this last week. But I agree with you. It's like, you know, I get this was a game, Georgia State, where we were going to be able I to. I like Ty Chandler. I'm just saying sure. we need, he, need, he needs – we he can be a complement to whoever they figure out right. the primary back. Who's getting the ball on well, first down and, and, that can and, get them four yards? And, 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 and I don't think at, it's him right now. Look at the carries this last week where it was uh, – Hal carried the ball 11 times. Some of those designs, some of those, you know, RPOs he decided to pull and take on his own, scrambling – Tyson Chandler got got 15 carries. Caleb Hood, four carries. British Brooks, four carries. Elijah Green, three carries. Josh Henderson, two carries. Who's that? British Brooks Brooks looked good, by the way. He he did look good. But it's one of those things where where I'm I'm curious as to what the plan is going forward. I I get that this is a game where we can test some stuff out and see which one of these backs is gonna is gonna stand out, but it's also you're you're not really establishing who your first and second backs are going to be in the way that you know we have with, with you know Michael Carter and Javante Williams, and not that we're expecting them to be that, but like that's a, that's a thing that if we're going to go into a game against Virginia or any team where we need to kind of establish the run and wear them down so yeah. we can set up Sam do things he's good at in terms of passing the ball, we need we need a little more consistency at that at that position. I blame the media, and I know you and I are a part of the media, so it's kind of like, you know, it's like when, uh, you know, AOC wore the tax the rich dress to the Met Gala, you know what I mean? You're, like, we're, we're, the, we're talking about the media as the media right now, so I understand this is a little on the nose, but uh, overall... We're you know, great. I, we're great I, at straw man, and also great Matt Caleb <laughs> reference. I hope we have a few more of those to sprinkle in throughout the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah, we we could get pop culture references <laughs> here. You know, the, who would have thought that a Carolina football podcast could mention the Met Gala? I yeah, look, I got that bet, and I got it in. You know what I mean? So take that at home. Little Nas X looks like three C three PO. What's that all about? What's happening here? Uh, but the media, you know, they did this with Garrison Brooks. You know what I mean? They said to the world, Garrison Brooks is going to be the ACC Player of the Year. And I think you and I, and look, I'm not trying to pick on Garrison Brooks, but since he left and transferred, I think I can now. Garrison Brooks, in no world, in no world, was he going to ever win the ACC Player of the Year. In Mm -hmm. no world. So the media puts that on the team. Roy Williams makes a a, a final season, his curtain call, about the ACC Preseason Player of the Year. The media puts the expectations, and the expectations are wrong. I say that to say... I do believe that the media in general, the national media, seemed to believe that Javante Williams was coming back to this North Carolina team. You know, as I've talked to some of the the uh, you know the big the big league you know college football media people, as much as you know they know everything, quote unquote, Carolina football is not necessarily on their radar. So it did seem like a lot of these guys I've talked to when I bring up North Carolina and some of the struggles, they're like, "Well, they got a great running back," and I'm like. No, they they don't. <laughs> Funny enough, they do not. Yes, damn you, media, big capital M media. We don't we don't like you and your expectations, even though we were part of creating all of them. Uh, I, I and think, we read and we read the expectations, so therefore they keep getting put out there in the predictions. So yeah, that that's how it works. Well, and, and it's so you you made a point about Garrison Brooks that I think has like an actual parallel to a, a, a position on this Carolina team where. Everyone, you know, thought highly of Garrett Walston's experience and, mm-hmm. you know, a guy like that who should be a, a sure-handed sort of guy in high-pressure situations in the red zone. 
Uh, I mean, again, this is Georgia State, so they're playing more guys, you know, playing some different guys. But you look at the catches and the way they were distributed amongst the tight ends. Kamari Morales got four catches in this game. Bryson Nesbitt nice. scored the touchdown on the pass from Jacoby Criswell at the end of the game. And, yes. and just one catch. But again, it's like they're cl- it's clear that they're now doing what you were kind of calling for. Uh, I guess it was last week. Let's play the kids. On the defensive side of the ball, look at yeah. Ra Dilworth and, and, and Power Eccles. Four tackles each. Power had that pick. Like I think that it's it's interesting because the hype was there for a reason because a lot of talent has joined this team, but it's young mm-hmm. talent. So I think what it's fair to say we're like a fifteen to twenty team. That's where we kind of should have started the year. A lot of a lot of the the, the senior leadership or the, or the veteran leadership, great to have it. But yeah. we're kind of we're kind of seeing that maybe we want to kind of start playing some of these younger guys, and that's and I take it right back to the running back position too. Like let's see what some of these Caleb Hood, some of these guys have. Ty, Ty Chandler, good and fine, good there for a leader, but like I don't see anything there that's like a game breaker type of skill set, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it's also, I mean, it's one of those things where you can't get better unless you play. The only way to get better is to play. So as much as we have this raw talent that is, you know, on the D line or you know in the secondary or in the backfield or you know even like the raw talent of Drake May. Like eventually, I want Drake May to be taking the second team snaps. You know, if it's not going to be Chriswell, you know, and and it may be, and it may be Chriswell. Maybe that that's who's going to be the starter next year, but. Whoever it's going to be or whoever the plan is, I'm, I'm not sure. But they need to be getting those snaps because we need to get them ready for the post-Sam era. And that's kind of where we are. We're at the cross, crossroads of, of Carolina football because we are going to move into this five-star, top-tier talent direction. And we are going to leave the, the Chaz Surratt's of the world you know, in this era. And yes, they're great. Bo Corrales is great. Chaz Surratt is great. And, and they're great North Carolina football players. But... We're, we're jumping up a level in talent, and, and, and that ne- doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to lead to results, but we have to play that talent, we have to develop that talent, and we have to continue to replenish that talent if we want to compete at the national level, which that's the whole point. That's Mac Brown's endgame. The end game is to be one of the final four teams and to see what happens once we get in there. And, and we know what the, the check marks are to get to that point, as we've talked about ad nauseum on the show. It is to win the Coastal, it is to beat Clemson, and it is to get into the final four and see what happens. And, and they know that, we know that, the, the, the casual fan maybe is just figuring that out. And every single week, we just hope that we're moving, you know, the chains in that direction and playing the younger guys against a team like Georgia State. This is the time. This well, is the time to do it. And, and, and I'd say, too, we, we are uh, – my apologies, Carolina football fan. We, we started this podcast in a fairly pessimistic place, which we didn't mean, no. to, we didn't mean to do entirely. <laughs> we, just, we just know how good this team can be. So we're, we're yeah. only saying these things because – we're trying to kind of really. I, I'll be. I'll be plain and simple and say I'm emotionally hedging bets here because I've been hurt so many times that I'm that I'm I'm trying to just set it up so it's like okay, you know, if we don't if we don't reach the mountaintop this year, it's coming next year. But yeah. in, in a way, it's yeah, it's because we have high expectations for this team. That having been said, this was a great 59 to 17 win. Like this was this was well done for at least three quarters of the game for this entire team. And so I think that kind of segues nicely into. A segment that 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 we have done, I guess, for two weeks running now. We did a little preview yes. segment, a little little Ram of the Week. Uh, yeah. And, and, and by the way, in Ram of the Week, I, I have decided I I have a note in my iPhone. I'm going to walk in and cold call uh, both Sport Durst Ram and yes. Michael Jordan Nissan this week, and we're going to get a sponsor for Ram of the Week. And I don't care <laughs> if it's the actual Dodge Ram as a sponsor yes. or if it's a Nissan Titan. Which, by the way, it's a good looking pickup truck. 
It, it's say. a nice truck. It's a nice truck. And Sport Durst, uh, once upon a time, my Jeep broke down in college. I took it to Sport Durst. Uh, they were not able to fix it, but they did their. Tr- they they tried their hardest, and you know what I mean. I would send someone back there. Uh, my parents probably would, would say we won't send them back there, but if they want to sponsor the show, we will go and buy anything from Sport Durst. Oh, great hey, commercials, amusing Mark commercials. Ja- Remember Mark Jacobson Toyota? We can also call them. You know what I mean? There's there's so many Toyota Tundra, another great truck. <laughs> yeah, a lot of great trucks. Ram out of there. the week. Yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of great trucks. It's not just Rams. <laughs> Maybe I'll just put a suit on and I'll, and I'll just walk <laughs> down 15501 and just knock yes. on doors. Say, would you be interested? Just go to Bojangles Ram and, and get the Bojangles. chicken sandwich. There you yeah. get, right you, there. Mark <laughs> Jacobson is right across the street from Bojangles. Maybe we just, we just that is our area on 15501 that we nailed down. It's a sweet spot. We can just do a live <laughs> podcast right at that intersection right there, right? Yes, the, the heavily yes. trafficked. In the media, people are giving us money as they walk by. We're like, no, we're okay. <laughs> we're just doing a show. <laughs> anyway. Ram of the week. Okay, so where would you like to begin with your ram of the week? Should I give mine? How should we? No, how should we start this off? I'll, I'll start with mine because it's short and simple, and uh, it's basically an apology. Because week one, we went up to Blacksburg, you know, Virginia, and it was a, uh, you know, it wasn't the best time, right? You know, when when you lose a game that you care about so much, you're you're in your feelings, you're hurt, you're trying to rework and rewire how things could have played out differently. And for me. It all come back to you know kept coming back to number zero, Emory Simmons. I kept watching the highlights. I rewatched the game, and I'm like, oh my god, if Emory, if Emory could have caught some of these balls, I mean, we we would have been really we would have been really working, you know, in this game. We had a real shot, and I called him out on the podcast. I felt bad about. I don't call out kids, you know what I mean? There's no point to call out kids. I'm not Dan Dockage out here, and I love these guys, you know what I mean? I want them to be successful. So week two. Emory Simmons, what does he do? He zips him up. He comes back uh, and scores a touchdown in this game. And, uh, you know, three receptions, you know, that's not – but not a lot of targets either. 73 yards, one TD. Uh, had a great celebration. Josh Downs was gassing him up. You know, it was good to see the camaraderie, you know, within the wide receiver group as they try to build up. You know, we lost some talent there as well. Obviously, with Daz Newsom and De'Ami Brown, uh, both have moved on. So, I was happy for Emory Simmons, and that's why I have to give him my Ram of the Week. I love that, and and we're doing a little synergistic thing here this week yes. because my Ram of the Week also comes from the wide receiver core, uh. and and, it, and it's a little interesting too because you're looking at the stat lines, and once again, we we knew we said he's one of the first guys we talked about when we previewed this segment at the beginning of the season. Josh Downs, yes. workhorse, he's he's our star, he's our go-to receiver. Eight catches, seventy-three yards, and a touchdown. That's great, right? But my Ram of the Week is Antoine Green because he mm. three catches. Uh, at least two, which I remember being like real highlight reel material. Yes, I think there was one that was maybe overruled. He 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 looked great. He looked confident. 117 yards, had that touchdown on that great catch. Um, I I just feel like that's a guy who you hear Sam Howe and others who have talked about. He had some injuries. He was kind of low on confidence, but we knew he had the talent the, the entire time. And now yeah. we're seeing that talent sort of come through. And so we just need guys that are going to step up and help Josh Downs in terms of, you know, pulling coverages away from him and, and being able to really, you know, hold defenses honest, you know, whether they're a deep threat, intermediate threat. And, and it was so great to see Antoine score, feel some of that confidence. Emory Simmons have a big game. So, you know, we're obviously there are a lot of parts of this offense that we talked about on the line, some running backs, you know, their works in progress. The receivers are that way too, but that was a great you know, taking of the Virginia Tech game and saying, we're going to play a lot better than we did then, and they went out and yeah. did it. So kudos to the whole wide receiver core. 
But my Ram of the Week, Antoine Green. Great work, dude. And it, and it is that, that turning, right? It's that, that moving into the next phase of this group because Bo Corrales was a guy that, you know, as we come into the season, people assumed that he would be a fixture. He's obviously injured. And we needed Josh Downs to quickly become not only the superstar, but sort of the veteran of this group and, and a leader within this group. And then Emory Simmons and Antoine Green. I mean, you can see the group growing. And then we, we just have to say this. I mean, Sam Howell has five touchdowns in this game. So as much as, you know, America threw him and cast him side after week one against Virginia Tech five touchdowns two rushing touchdowns over 100 yards rushing um, you know 21 of 29 352 yards I mean you, you, th- those are the numbers that you expect from your Heisman QB you can make Sam Howell the Ram of the Week almost any every week. week yeah like yeah. he's just he's that's just... what I wanted to say he's kind of like de facto <laughs> Ram of the Week like he, he should actually be the face of the Ram on Ram of the Week oh you know I, mean? I like that okay <laughs> well you know I've already made the graphics but I think that's a late change it might be coming in hot uh, yeah, we'll, we'll workshop that We'll get something good there. I I, I do yeah. think yeah he's like the goat ram like he's like the 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 guy that but I, I think again that kind of plays into what we're talking about like Sam Howell's going to put up big numbers if he has receivers that are going to get separation catch the ball you know run good routes and that's what they did against Georgia State and, and, and you know that's before even talking about guys that haven't normally been on Carolina you know box scores at the end of the game like guys like Kamari Morales I mean yeah. I, I don't even I, I have to go back and look at the box again but. Like Chaffrey Brown didn't really show up. I think got a few snaps here and there, but like that's a guy that if he shows up and plays up to his potential, then we're talking about four guys who, when we came to the season, that was the belief we had in that unit. You know, if you have Downs, Green, Simmons, and Brown, that's a good unit. And plus the mm-hmm. threat of, you know, whichever one of those tight ends steps up. So that was super encouraging. It's like, okay, yeah. you know. Every week we're gonna chip away, but like that one, feel a lot better about going to Virginia. So let's just yeah, hope it and if, and like if you can run four verts with those guys, you know, on the outside, and then like you said, like a Watson or whoever it may be, uh, you know, we're we're gonna be okay if we're down in a game and need to try to fight back. I believe in Sam. I believe in his ability to rally in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's those are the good news uh, when you kind of look at this. Conley going down. Um, with an injury was was very it's probably the scariest part of this game for any Carolina fan at home because Conley was so great in week one we obviously I joked that he should be playing at LSU maybe not LSU this year but LSU in the past Um, but seeing him go down was was tough but the fact that he came back even though he had a cast on that's encouraging and he's supposed to play this week against Virginia so uh, for all the Conley fans out there I think we're okay I, I was I was keeled over when it happened because I it, I couldn't be Conley. I, I just couldn't have that happen. Well, and this just speaks to how good Jacorius Conley is, and and how why we love him so much is that he left for it was it wasn't the majority of the game, but it was a large chunk of time to get that hand wrapped into a club, and still yeah. was the co team high with five tackles. So like I mean <laughs> yeah. he's, he's everywhere, and, and it's amazing. Yeah. And I, I think he's really and truly we knew he was talented, but like he's really kind of separating himself as like I'm the most impactful player on this defense. And, mm-hmm. and so that's that's huge. So uh, and that segues nicely as well into some of the injury report things we got to kind of keep an eye on. So he Conley should be available for the Virginia game. Have no idea yes. what the stat. That's a weird one to me. I I think of club hand guys as linemen. Like if you're a defensive yeah. back and you got got interceptable, I, I, I'm not going to ask too many questions. That's a little weird to me. But we'll <laughs> see what sort of apparatus he comes out with for that game. Yeah. Um, it can't but, be like the Jason Pierre Paul like club. You know what I mean? Like it, it's got to it's got to be something that like he still has his fingers that he can use to like grab onto the football. You know what I mean? Like even Julius Peppers, I remember, they always like club it, so it looks like yeah. it's like almost a paddle or whatever. You know what I mean? What if like, what if you what if you clubbed it and then you got like a vat of stickum? And you just yeah. dumped, you just dumped it in the stickum, and then you're just walking around with like a like a stickum wand, 
Yes. And you just like honey, just like honey on a hive. Yeah, like yeah. a little, like a Winnie the Pooh type situation. Yes. Where you just have a you just have a jar, you know, maybe you put honey on it so they don't think you're cheating. Yeah. And then you're you just, just like, this is for me. This is just for me to feel comfortable. You know what I mean? I, I like honey. All good. You, there, you can make him eat it. Snatched them. You, you can maybe even add some honey in there. That, I, I think we got the we got the makings of a good idea there, Tate. We're gonna bring that to the training. <laughs> we gotta staff. workshop that. Yeah, we gotta go yeah. call AJ Blue right after this and say, AJ, have you ever thought of honey? And he's just hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> AJ, uh, do you ever watch the Winnie the Pooh cartoons when you were a kid? Just like I got three words written, for you, Winnie single. the Pooh. <laughs> uh, but okay, so that so Conley um, should be available. Uh, yes. Less fortunate, Day Day Hollins. We saw him kind of had a weird sort of like a lockup situation with his leg and he's now out for the season um he was listed as tony graham's backup uh and so Obi agbuna is going to step in there um i mean i think so the flips and even the flip side of that one is storm duck who's been practicing and is close to being back jay bateman even said this week wouldn't shock me if he's ready to play saturday especially with mm. with holland's out so Best some guy name in football in college football storm duck oh god what a great name yeah, he should play for Oregon. I mean, in reality, he, I, when we're to, as, as we're talking about defensive backs that should play other places, yes, because every time I think of his name, I think of Puddles, the Oregon mascot. Yeah, which is a great mascot, by the way. Yeah, and speaking of Oregon football school, what yeah. a great w on the road at Ohio State. I mean, love to uh, see with that. five with five starters out and their best defensive player out. They went on the road. That was great. And then they put a they put a duck in the middle of uh, the fifty yard line on the way out. I'm like, wow. Not only is Oregon winning the game, but they're trolling on the way out like that. You talk about like a new age team for the kids to like because all kids like is trolling these days. So like the, the Oregon Ducks are like, we're playing to the to the twelve year old generation. We're going to troll as hard as we can so shout out to them shout out to storm duck i'm good i'm happy to hear that because i love storm duck yeah ho- excited excited for storm to come back and you know that it, it's been a rough last two years in terms of losing guys in the secondary uh, yeah. i mean max first year i remember it was complete patchwork after like four weeks and yet they still hung in a lot of those games and you know ended up winning more than they lost and you know i, I think you know daddy holmes is a guy who played a big role a couple years ago so it, it's it's tough to lose guys but it's also nice to know well, we've been prepping a lot of guys over the past two years to get experience yeah. in these spots because we've been so injured. So we're, we can we can weather that storm. And then the we last gotta, three guys, we, we got to turn the page. That's what I feel like. The more that we talk about this team, you know, it's kind of like we we have these guys that are more household names within the program, but we have the talent. I mean, we like you said, we talked about this last week, but it, I feel like we're getting to the point where the the staff itself is turning the page. You know, even mm-hmm. if they're excited about a vet to come back. It's like it's great to have Storm back, but we know Tony's the starter. You know what I mean? Like we're right. we're getting to that point where the the chips are falling into place. I think. This is no knock on anybody on this roster who's been there and put in the work. I think those guys are super important. But I love games like this. Like this is why I kind of wish that this had been the first game because you see guys like Ra Ra Dilworth and Power Eccles, who people have been saying all since they've stepped foot on campus are like. These guys are a different breed. Like they are, like they're faster, they're stronger. They're like just just making huge plays. So the fact that those guys are getting reps and and showing up on the stat sheet says a lot towards you know you can take that into a meeting, and be like, okay, these guys are impact players. We got to get them more snaps this week, and no one can really yeah. argue with that. So yeah, that that that's a big thing. And, and yeah, in the last three on that reporter, we discussed Joshua Zudu. Uh, that's going to be tough to not have him given the ongoing line communication issues that have been sort of alluded to uh and then mm. dj jones and british brooks both are going to be evaluated during the week to see if they can play at the running back position and and you know i, I you know it, it's a, it's an interesting one because yeah british brooks did look pretty good against georgia state but i'm almost of the mind of like let's just give 
mainly two guys, but like three guys carries, especially if Sam Howell's going to carry the ball a lot. And let's just try to really get those guys some confidence and some rhythm going into the rest of the season so they can, you know, try to make an impact somewhere close to what Javante and, and, and Michael Carter did last year. So we'll, yeah, we'll see how it, that plays out. I think that, you know, like the, the joke is that if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. You know what I mean? I think when you have four running backs, you definitely don't have two. And uh, we, we are still looking for our Javante and Michael Carter duo dynamic. You know what I mean? And we haven't figured out what that is because – they're not distinct enough to be like DJ is this kind of back for us and Caleb is this kind of back for us and Chandler's this kind of back for us, you know, and British is this kind of back for us. They all kind of are in the middle and they're they're pretty solid at a lot of different things, but they don't have any standout features or or they don't have they haven't been able to show those standout features, so to speak. And uh, I, I just hope that we find who the two are. I think Hood has to be one of those two. Um, as much as people at home are probably like he might be fourth in their minds, I think he deserves the shot because he, he, I just think he fits the bill uh, at some level. And I think, you know, I know pass blocking is a conversation that has been an issue with him. And that's why Chandler's been playing so far. But I believe that he can get there. Um, Brooks and, and, and DJ Jones, I mean, they need to be healthy because if things aren't going well against Virginia and we need to rely on the running game and we have one and a half, two backs, and, and one of them has to be Sam, he's one of the two backs, we're, we're in trouble. And uh, I think that's the main thing that gives me a little bit of uh, you know pause as we head, in, head into this Virginia conversation, which speaking of, we have a, 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 an alumnus from Virginia, Oahu himself, uh, one of the stars of when you and I were, you know, covering, or I guess not covering, you were a student and I was just like going to every season ticket game, but like 2006, 2007, Virginia playing against North Carolina, some great games. Uh, Chris Long intercepted TJ, TJ Yates. I remember being at that game. Uh, it was a great Great snatch in 07, but now he's going to join our show, uh, Charlie. So we're very yeah. excited about that. Yeah, th this this man this man's a Wahoo icon, and you know <laughs> I feel a little bit a little bit bad that we're kind of you know this this is who we're we're dumping on you going into Virginia yeah. week, but. The hope is that we can have a little bit of friendly banter. We can kind of, you know what? This is the way. This is the, this is my spin zone on this. Is that mm. we we read you earlier in the show the Mandy Alonso bulletin board material, and yes. that was also uh, a Virginia defensive end who wore number ninety one. And and so Chris Long, he's <laughs> going to continue to do that. He's going to give you a little more bulletin board material, get you fired up a little bit, and you're going to go into this weekend motivated to go out there and be the one and and beat Virginia. Yeah. So so look at it that way. You know, yeah. hopefully have Let's a hope he comes on and talks some trash so that like we have some good momentum, well, some good mojo. Let, That's what we want. Let me ask you this before we send to the interview. What what are, <laughs> think about a, a, a tailgate you've been to, okay? Mm. And think about some of the most fun moments of that tailgate. And and the, a, many of those are your boys are you're, you're you're maybe you're throwing a couple cold ones back, you're around the grill <laughs> and along walks some opposing fans decked out in their gear and you get to kind of sling a few arrows their way and kind of rib them a little yeah. bit. And vice yeah. versa, when when you when you eventually you shut it down, you're ready to head into the stadium, and you end up passing maybe some tailgates that they have the opposite a set of colors than the ones that you're wearing. And you you have to take mm. a few arrows, and you kind of get toughened up for it. That's what we're doing here. All right, we're we're kind of we're getting you ready for the game day atmosphere, and yeah. you know just try to enjoy it. All and, right, and, and we want to get a temperature check on the Virginia Nation because sure. if you're a Carolina fan, you understand that Virginia right now thinks that they own us both in basketball and in football. 
And you know, we if you think if you think about these two schools, we're basically the Spider-Man meme. You know what I mean? It, Charlottesville is very similar to Chapel Hill. We point at each other. We say you're not as good as us, even though we're very similar. And as we both know, Charlie, we are the actual number one school in this conversation. And that's why you're wearing the number one jersey, Ronald Curry, because he's from Virginia. And he said, you know what? I want to go to the best of the best, North Carolina. Let's get to Chris Long. Hey, babe. All right, before we get to Chris Long, let's get a quick break and a quick word from Bojangles. You and I, Charlie, we love Bojangles. We can shout out pretty much anything about Bojangles, but I want to start with their new chicken sandwich. It is hand-breaded. It is marinated in Bojangles' bold seasoning with buttermilk coating. Oh, it sounds so good. The flavor is actually in the marinade, so the chicken itself tastes great, not just the sauce. You get thick-cut dill pickles, creamy mayo, toasted buttered bakery bun it's crispy it's crunchy it's craveable and i have one question for you charlie how good is it this sandwich you just said this a second ago this is a very key point and i don't want anyone in the <laughs> audience to overlook this okay the flavor is in the chicken they have made you don't need to, any sauce you don't need any sauce you all they have a, they have a light smattering of mayo to kind of cut the heat a little bit but it is it is this delicious like cajun seasoning flavoring that's embedded within the chicken this thing's unbelievable. I think the last time we told you about this, the sandwich, I'd had it like not all the way warm because I'd been it had been sitting in a box for about an hour. Yeah. And I went back and I had the hot version with my wife and full agreement in this household. This is the best chicken sandwich mm. uh, among the, mm. the the fried chicken sandwich wars. This is the best one, and yes. I, I'm not exaggerating. You just, you just have to go try it. It's they have told us in the copy that it is quote unquote so good that a chicken would eat it. So like that that's how good it is. That a chicken would, you know, say throw away all the more moral implications here. I have to have this chicken sandwich. It's that good. That's what Bojangles does. Uh it's crunchy, it's craveable, it's delicious. It's Bojangles and you got to go get the chicken sandwich right now. And if you don't get the chicken sandwich, get a four-piece chicken supreme with honey mustard because that's also great. Or a bowberry biscuit. Anything or any number of things that are delicious that are on that menu. Seasoned fries. It's Bojangles. What, it's whatever, whatever time it is, wherever you are. All right, it, it's bow time. It's I bow just, time. I know that it's bow time. Let's get to Chris Long. Hey. Yep, 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 yep. What up? What up, boys? What's going on, dude? Long time. <laughs> oh man, hey, really long time. How you doing, bud? Doing great, man. Look at these fucking <laughs> outfits. Jesus. I didn't wear any orange or any blue. And joining us now on Football School, he is a Virginia legend, number 91. He is also the host of Greenlight Pod. He is a friend of the show, both of Charlie and myself. His name is Chris Long, and we are here to hopefully get him to talk shit with us, you know what I mean, so that we get some good karma as we head into the, the South's oldest rivalry this weekend. Welcome, Chris Long. What's going on, man? Well, you know, in a fine Southern rivalry, there's no trash talking. We it's keep just it respectful. <laughs> does, it, does, it, does it feel a little – we were talking about this prior, prior to you coming on. Does it feel a little bit like – we so badly want this to be a blue collar matchup, but in reality, it's such a wine and cheese matchup. Oh, like yeah. we would love for it to be a blue collar matchup. Yeah. Oh yeah, we would love for it to be a real—I uh, don't want to say lunch paley thing, ugh, but like a tech, real. He went, he went tech on yeah. us. <laughs> I, I would like it to be a little bit more blue collar, the way you put it—not Carolina blue collar, but yeah. blue collar. And you know, it is what it is. We've got. Hey, these are two beautiful places, you know, Charlottesville and Chapel Hill. Some would compare the two. Uh, <laughs> I, I got nothing against Chapel Hill. I, I almost, yeah. uh, I really liked UNC coming out, so I got nothing against Chapel Hill. It's always been one of those rivalries that we actually, and I'm not being an asshole, like we stack more wins than losses, so I feel okay talking about it, you know? Yeah, 
Yeah, it does seem like you guys have something over us, you know, throughout the years. It does feel like Virginia, they know something that we don't know. You guys are very yeah. similar to us. But yeah. I, I wondered if you had any sort of hatred toward North Carolina, but you're saying that you basically don't. Because me being a North Carolina fan, grew up in Henderson, North Carolina, 15 miles from Virginia, went to Richmond all the time, you know, went to Kings Dominion, like had the had the Kings Virginia <laughs> had the had the Virginia delicacies, you know, in my life. If you life. dare. I, I have no hate towards Virginia either, but I, I want to have something, Chris, you know. I mean, yeah. I, w- I want something to hang my hat on. And I guess losing to you guys okay. you know, five years in a row probably should help with that. Okay, I got something. 90% of your fans are from like Kalamazoo, Michigan. Okay. <laughs> there are a bunch of guys wearing jorts yeah, and A shirts. You know, they're, they're, they're a bunch of guys that look like white chocolate um, from the NBA. Like your Carolina fans are mostly transient motherfuckers, and yeah. I'm and I respect the people who went to UNC and were like, "This is my school," but I cannot mm. argue with somebody on the internet about North Carolina who who's not like a real like born and bred North Carolina yeah. fan, a local or somebody who went there. I'm sorry, mm. that's my one thing I hate about North Carolina. I, that's I was what I say I was, about Duke yeah, fans. That's what see, that's you. what I thought we were going to go in a Duke direction, and honestly, I started to protest that, but then I realized like I'm from California, so I fall squarely <laughs> fall right in the bucket that you created. You for, should uh, no, you know you should have you know you should have you. Well, you're also a member of the media, so we have a forum to argue this out. Like I just don't like arguing on the internet. You should be a Fresno State fan, dude. Ooh. I you know what grew up going to. Shout out Trent Dilfer, David Carr. I love yeah. going to Fresno State Bulldogs games. Uh, that you know, we we had there there were some legit. Pat Hill put together some legit teams there, and we were so close. You know, what? it's kind of funny now that we're talking about it. They almost Fresno State Oregon football does one, not feel so different than Carolina football on a different sort of stage. <laughs> yeah, which is that? A, yeah. Is that a? Is that a bad? <laughs> well, thing? you guys can. You guys have both gotten hot. Like I, I don't know. I I think. I think Fresno State, and I'm, I'm biased because they kicked. They didn't kick our ass, but they came back. We played them in the um, the the oh, Bull the, Boise. I was Boise, there. The Boise Ball, dude. Marcus Higgins was the quarterback, right? That yes, team, dude, yeah. The blue turf. I didn't play a down. It was my freshman year, and um, I just watched as uh, you know a 21 point lead disintegrated, and Logan Mankins was just moving Daryl Black, <laughs> Blackstock, and and then after the game, we had this shitty banquet in Boise, you know, and then you had to go home and the whole thing. I think, I think Fresno state, I feel like, why aren't they better with regularity? Mm. I've asked that about UNC before and now you guys are very good. Right. But I feel like that should be the norm for you guys. You got cool gear. I'm not trying to recruit for UNC. Yeah, please. You you have a nice college town. Um, Now it's definitely football's second fiddle to basketball (laughs) there, which we also own you guys in, but like, you know, there's a lot to be excited about there. Why isn't Fresno state better? Hmm. I mean, I agree with all this. I think this is these are all fair points, Chris, and we would love to use all of these things on our new panel. To talk about Fresno State. (laughs) (laughs) Similar to Fresno State. The Fresno State of the South. Yeah, exactly. The Fresno State of the South. (laughs) That's a a great recruiting cell. I think we should – you're both simultaneously doing a great recruiting job for Fresno State and putting a bunch of stuff on our bulletin board. Uh, Yeah. Which is – listen, we'll we'll take both of it. And so – Actually, going off of that, we there is a piece of bulletin board material. I don't know that if we had to this. ask you about. Yeah, we we got we got to ask you about this because this is actually this is your boy. He's he's Virginia's defensive end number ninety one, Mandy Alonso. Oh, Mandy Alonso, yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> what did he do? So what let me do? let me read you a little <laughs> quote from our boy Mandy. Uh, oh, this is great. <laughs> it's our culture versus theirs. We're going to go harder, 
longer each play and the whole game than they will. <laughs> Even if they come out swinging, we just have to be able to, to sustain it. And we know they can't sustain it because the past four years, they haven't been able to. Is this something, <laughs> would Chris Long say this leading up to the North Carolina game? I mean, no, but there's a lot of things people do that I that I don't do that I don't have a problem with. Like, I, there's nothing wrong with being bold as long as you can back it up. And, you know, he's he's been a good player uh, for them, and I'm actually pretty proud he's wearing that number. But, you know, my thing is he's telling the truth. You know, the truth hurts a little bit, and it is a culture war. It's our culture against their culture. Yeah. So I like this. You know, infuse a little excitement and hatred into the oldest rivalry in the South. Mm. Like and the last road win for Virginia was in Chapel Hill at North Carolina during the Mendenhall era. <laughs> yeah, we, it's six and twenty on the road, but you've won two games in Chapel Hill. Road, yeah. So what is it? Why do you guys feel like you you're better than us? I think that's what we came no, here I, to figure out. Yeah, ex <laughs> tell, explain it to us, Chris Long. Why? Why is this happening? I, I, I feel like the only conclusion you can draw is that Charlottesville is a nicer place than Chapel Hill oh. because you can see the hangover that exists when you leave Charlottesville, <laughs> and the guys don't know what to do. They're like, mm. this is just not. Not Charlottesville. I don't like the hotel I'm at. I don't like the atmosphere. It's just yeah. not the hook. So yeah, maybe this cements the fact that Charlottesville is nicer <laughs> than Chapel Hill. It's my spin zone. It's That's just, what it is. The number one town in the ACC, Charlottesville. Number one town in the ACC. <laughs> oh, we should rank them. Is Winston Salem Ooh. last? Oh, that. this is okay. Let's yeah, let's let's play this game. Tallahassee's okay. last. Tallahassee's got to be Tallahassee. Tallahassee's last. <laughs> Maybe not for college students, but yeah, yeah for like, yeah, like for normal you, people. You want to buy a single family home? <laughs> I think Miami's completely subjective, right? Like, I yeah. think that that's Coral like, Gables is nice. Yeah. Coral, yeah, Coral Gables is nice. Good luck. Oh my God, Coral Gables. Macon hates um, <laughs> Miami because he thinks it's too complicated. There's too many towns in Miami, like Miami Gardens. South Beach, et cetera, et cetera. He has a real thing against Miami, so he'd be mad. No, well, I, I appreciate that. Macon's right. I think Macon's right. I think Miami's last on the list. Tal it's, it's the Florida team, so we'll just put them last, and then we'll build up from there. But I think Charlottesville, Chapel Hill, they're probably 1A, 1B. I'm not going to say we're two, but we're yeah. very similar. Like, like I said, when I went up to Charlottesville for the first time, I was like seven, eight years old. I mean, I looked at my parents. I'm like, this is – Chapel Hill, you know, I mean, this is yeah. this is the same thing. I, it's what, kind what of a happening? mirror image. What about Raleigh? Is Raleigh oh, a God. dump, or yeah. you guys? Raleigh's number nine. Raleigh, I know, I know. Don't don't you have some history there, uh, Charlie? In Raleigh, no? I mean, yeah, you don't have any history in Raleigh. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I live <laughs> I live in Durham, and people often think I live in Raleigh because the airport. Same city, yeah, right? You know, you get that a lot. It's the so, same city, so it's they're very different cities. But I'm not going to get drawn into this uh, on this podcast. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you do this to me. Uh, Atlanta's nice. That's Atlanta. the last thing I'll say. Listen, I love like Atlanta. Sleeper, I love two Atlanta sleeper too. cities: Georgia Tech and Boston College. Have Atlanta and Boston. Yeah, the mm. city schools, which mm. I feel like they always struggle to recruit for some reason. Doesn't make sense, like, right? Like in general in college sports, maybe Tate has some insight. I don't know. Well, Bobby Crimmins back in the day had it figured out in basketball. You know what I mean? They were getting all type John Sally and Mark Price and all these guys yep. to come play for Georgia Tech. But Kenny Anderson, um, yep. but I, Chris Bosh even like I, they, they had a yeah. Derek Favors was the last Georgia Tech commit that I remember being like, oh, this five star kid is going to go play basketball at Georgia Tech. And that makes sense. Now, Josh Pastner is like a. You know, it's kind of like a circus. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, it, even though they had the ACC player of the year, he was a zero star recruit from Raleigh, North yeah, Carolina. Yeah, dude, I don't even, I don't, if you ask me on any given year what Georgia Tech is doing in basketball, I would have no idea. Exactly. And it used to be like, you know, we know their whole team. We know Jared yep. Jack and you know BJ Elder and you know Luke Sincher. Jared Jack, yeah. dude. Great yeah. time. That's a good poll.
So, Chris, what... We don't hate each other at all. We're talking about everything yeah, but know, UNC exactly. Virginia. <laughs> this is what the fans did not want to see, which is like UVA and Carolina like, fans getting no along. There is no juice in this rivalry, <laughs> well, dude. Tate, Tate said it the, 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 you know, before this, which is that we, we're, we are the Spider-Man meme. We're pointing at each other. We're the same. We're, it's just, you're like, you want to show up and hate the guy. Yep. It's like, I don't know if this is a good analogy, but like, you, you know, you break up with an ex-girlfriend and you're like, you want to hate the new guy she's with who looks like oddly similar to you. And then you but meet him cool. and you're like, he's so cool. Like, he's I like right. this guy. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't even are mad we best anymore. friends? Yeah. He's all right. Yeah, you guys are all right, man. We're all right. Yeah. Well, what? Yeah. Let, let me ask you this, Chris. Like, what? what memories do you have of, I don't even know if you considered it a rivalry, but what was this? Yeah. What was it like playing against North Carolina when you were at Virginia? Um, pretty much, like one time I forgot my cleats there. That was traumatic, and uh, <laughs> I also remember the old stadium wasn't that nice. Like it was really cool. I liked it a lot, but it wasn't like that nice. And you guys did the big upgrade. I'm sure it's really state of the art now. But um, honestly, I don't remember a whole lot because I more battled with the demons after college like not beating tech and that sort of thing like i enjoyed playing you guys i remember we went down there i had my only career interception yeah um that was fun and i got caught by uh tj yates not caught he had the angle <laughs> you know which that was the uh, fastest which makes i ever saw him run i will be honest with you because that game i was at that game chris and that pick that you had that was deflating we, we had hockey nicks was having a great game hakeem nicks like, oh, dude he was so good dude it was unbelievable I, it, it he was. Like I thought was he was going to be like a 15 yeah. year vet. Yeah. Won a Super Bowl. Um, I remember Marvin Austin. Uh, mm -hmm. Marvin Austin, Freshman. the single digit king. He yep. he was a trendsetter. Yep. Uh, he nine. almost went to Virginia. Went down there. I don't know. I remember bits and pieces of it. What was our record? Was it three and one? I'm not uh, even being facetious. No, I, I think it had to have been. I mean, you guys, you guys shut us out at Virginia in 06 because I, I was at that game as well. And you guys oh, we did. dominated that game. And then the next year, you won 22-20, to 20, I think, was the final score. But it was like a back-and-forth game. And then your pick kind of won the game. Yes. Okay, senior year was the pick. Junior year was the Thursday night game. We had yes. Jameel Sewell. Yep. And um, and we showed up. We always showed up on, like, primetime at home or on, on the road, actually. We beat Miami 48 nothing in the last game at the Orange Bowl, dude. Yep. Wow. I was like, that is just, we pulled that out of our ass. Like, we need to play at night more. And then we beat Pitt handily at home. They had Shady McCoy. They had Jeff Ota, who you'll remember, yep. was like, I thought he was going to be, uh, well, he had injuries, so to be fair, but I thought he was going to be Orlando Pace. That guy was a monster. Wow. Yeah, there was yeah. a bunch of stars in the ACC at that time. And I, I remember you, I mean, you were the face of Virginia football. I mean, and obviously with your dad and everyone talking about yep. Howie all the time. And then yep. you were starring there in North Carolina. We were kind of off the radar, but then we bring in Butch Davis. His first year, you guys come to Chapel Hill. And that was the first sign of, hey, we might really have something here. Because like I said, right. you, you won the game with an interception, but we were fat, fighting and battling the entire time. And it, it gave us a little bit of hope. And then we Who had was a, it? Was, was it Fedora before Butch Davis? No, I feel after. like he, he was, he was after. after. Yeah. Fedora was after. Who, who was coaching when we were there? It was John a Bunning. guy with a mustache, right? John Bunning. Bunting. He had a mustache. Yep. 
John Bunning yeah, and Butch was. Davis, then Everett Withers after him, right? Before Fedora. Yeah. Do I have that right? For, yeah. He was an interim year. Ever that was. is like a washing machine of, I don't know, for you guys, that era, the weirdest, like most forgettable little like <laughs> sub era. What's the weirdest UNC football era for you guys? Oh, I mean, it's probably, I mean, Butch was weird because we had so many stars, right? You know what I mean? Like when you looked at the defense, it was like yeah. the D line is Robert Quinn, Marvin Austin, Woo! Dante Page Moss. The linebackers are Bruce Carter, Quan Sturdivant. The, the safety is Deion. Dante Williams, you know, we got Kendrick Burr. We got all guys that are playing in the league. That, that's well actually – Robert. I want one good Robert Quinn story from you because we <laughs> just marveled at him in college, and you got to see him at the pro level. Like, give us just one. Oh, my God, you ran dude, like a four, I remember. <laughs> I just remember when they drafted him, I was like – I saw one highlight – well, that, okay, so he had a he had a benign tumor, or he had a growth yeah. uh, in in his brain, or you know, like something like that, and it was really scary for a little bit. And for for teams, they were in this kind of like in between: can we take this guy or not? Like, is he going to have a problem? And I just remember we drafted him in the middle of the first round, and we had a lot of D linemen. No, we didn't have a lot of D linemen at that point, but we had me. And I was like, <laughs> and I just remember thinking, damn, this, they just drafted a guy with, um, like a medical concern, like pretty damn high. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, uh, Oh shit. Let me look at his highlights. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, you know, all I kept asking was, Hey, what side does he play? Like, does he, <laughs> is he a right end? Cause, Cause that would be cool if he was a right end and thank goodness he showed up and he was a right end because there would have never been. Uh, you know, whatever we called in St. Louis, you know, sack city for a couple of years where we had 50 plus sacks. Um, you know, we used to call each other white, white lightning and black thunder. It was like in the, um, the major league movie with, uh, the guys who it, it was Wesley Snipes and the, and the white guy with the, with the, the white cutoff, whatever it was, yeah. who was the big power hitter on the team? It was inspired by that. So we would have never had all those big fun, like inside jokes, we would have never been respected the same way we were. He had a 19 sack season. Yes. He had a 19 sack season on a team that was like six and 10, mm -hmm. you know, so we never had leads. I remember Robert Quinn running on the side of his, like the, so if you're running the edge, imagine a defensive end that can run sideways on the ground at full speed. Like he can dip the corner and then stay down there and then pop up magically after he beats the block, you know, Mathis did that in Indianapolis, but he wasn't as long and wasn't as like, you know, powerful as Robert Quinn. So when he was healthy, it was something to behold. And of course he had some back surgeries. He'll still be a hundred sack guy and injuries in St. Louis still slowed him down, which is incredible. Yeah. He played somewhere else. He might be a hall of famer. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. my one freezing cold take that I got roasted on was when Robert Quinn got drafted in that draft. I tweeted in 2012 or 20, whatever year it was that Robert Quinn would be better than JJ Watt and that they would forget, you know, that they would uh, regret this decision for one year. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I was like, it wasn't that crazy, but, uh, you know, 2019, when you, when you see the tweet, you're like, what are you talking about? No, you didn't, you didn't tweet. Who was the other high draft pick that you guys had? I actually knew the guy a little bit, a defensive lineman, um, right before Robert and he, Kendrick, uh, Balmer? Oh, Balmer? yeah, Kentuan Balmer, yeah. Kentuan Balmer, yeah. He didn't have, like, a big, long career. I mean, if you'd have bet on him or something, he might look freezing cold. But I think that's 
not that cold, well, dude. Well, well, Balmer was the you know Mel Kiper and Butch Davis had this you know you know friendly relationship. So like you know Mel Kiper helped push Balmer as like the number one D lineman, even though maybe really <laughs> yeah maybe he wasn't quite the guy. But you know it's like Mac Brown well, gotta have relationships. It's, you know? yeah. it's inexact, man. It's really hard. I mean that's a really difficult position to evaluate, dude. Yeah, like it just really is. So. Robert Quinn, though, ran a four-four, um, four-three, whatever it was, and like yeah, you said, he one of the biggest. Run, his yeah. toes point in at each other, like he's so pigeon-toed, and that's why he's like the perfect rusher, or he was the perfect edge rusher. He's so pigeon-toed. I have pictures of him sitting on the ground in the hotel, looking at film, and it, you know the insides of his ankles are touching the ground, like, and he's just casually watching film. That's wild. He's like a he's a freak, dude. He's, he's an a alien. freak. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, his head's also size nine. So, like, you know, he's just the most irregular cat I've ever met. Chris, do you have any predictions for this weekend? Do you have any bold statements? Do you expect a win? Or are you guys at the point where, like, if you lose, you're like, hey, we, we kind of held them down for five years, and it's okay, it's on the road, we expect this? Or do you expect to go in and get another win in Chapel Hill? That's all I really want to know. Yeah, well, honestly, uh, I didn't have, like, great high expectations for this team, and now they're kind of talking me into – really diving back in uh and it's a lot to overcome you know the era where our quarterback made most of the plays a couple years ago i mean bryce is like you know one of the best we've had so um i feel like brennan armstrong might take that step and this is a good warm-up i'm not being disrespectful to the illini but when you're supposed to beat a team you beat their ass like that's that's a sign of a good college football team to me like it, it doesn't make you a good football team, but we started off with William and Mary. We beat them like 42, 43 to nothing. And then uh, we scored 42 last week against Illinois. So I actually feel like we need to go toe-to-toe with you for me not to be disappointed at least. Um, and and I do feel like we're capable of beating y'all because of the matchup things we've talked about. Yeah. Whether that's real or perceived, um, I feel like they're going to be up for this game, and I expect a high-scoring competitive ball game. I know the line's nine. I'm definitely going to bet Virginia. Yeah, you got to. Um, even though it's trappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel good. We got to we got to run with you. I'm scared we're going to go 0 and 2 against Virginia the entire state, you know what I mean? That that's cuz Mac <laughs> Mac Brown owns North Carolina. He always has. We always beat Duke, we always beat Wake, we always beat State. That's kind of his thing. That's what he's about. But I'm worried that Virginia has our number, especially because we're recruiting the Tidewater. You know, yeah. Charlie's got the Ronald Curry jersey on. We're kind of tapping back into right. that market again. This was, this was done and for that, Virginia week, you know. <laughs> yeah. Ronald and Curry. that and that that's a twisting of the knife because you guys know the whole backstory with yeah, how course. he was. Yeah, it's big twist of the knife here in Charles. So the Ronald Curry, Mike Vick. Yeah. You know, little mix up we had. Yeah, and then the we sliding doors them. moment in, in time where like you don't get either one of those guys, but both of them technically oh, should have oh gone to Virginia. Yeah. Oh my God, dude! We also almost had Russell Wilson. So instead, he just went to state and beat us every year, which <laughs> yeah, exactly. is really enjoyed yeah. that. Really, yeah, really exactly. Enjoyed that. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of near misses for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'm good Chris. Too. Wanna, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, Chris, we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you sharing. Are you good, knowledge. Yeah. I, I, I am. Uh, I'm. In, I'm at the place where I still can't hate Virginia, but I think if you beat us this weekend, maybe I get there. But uh, I can't hate. I you, would Chris love Vaughn. it if You're next year we're having this conversation. We're just motherfucking each other. Yes, that would be good. This I isn't. I mean, okay. this one's so bad. We're just. We're. We're. we're <laughs> not so bad, dude. We're, we're more similar than we thought we were. You know, it's look. Look so at where bad, we We like each other. We like each we're other. Not so bad, Charlie. You guys are the best. Good talking. Hey, Great talking to you, Chris. Good catching up, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. All right, bro. All right, there you have it. Chris Long uh, 
joined the show. Well, I mean, uh, another football school up north, the South's oldest rivalry right there, Virginia, North Carolina. We're very excited about this game. Um, for the people at home, we'll give you some uh, Virginia nuggets before we jump into this conversation, Charlie. So, uh, Brock Mendenhall, since he has taken over uh, the job at Virginia, he is 6-20 and on the road. His last road win, his last time that the Virginia Wahoos under Mendenhall won on the road was 2019 at North Carolina. Uh, again, six and twenty. Two of those six games have been in Chapel Hill against North Carolina. So that sets the scene a little bit about what we're dealing with. Virginia has had the number of our Tar Heels uh, since the Mendenhall era has begun, and that leads us into Saturday because we have a big conversation again. The South's oldest rivalry, Virginia coming to Chapel Hill, first time in a couple years. And Charlie, I gotta say this: I'm a little nervous. I'm a little scared as we head into this game. Yeah, let's let's okay. Let, let's read to you a few of the those kind of pessimistic nuggets. Okay, uh-huh. and we're gonna get past those, and we're gonna try, try to spin this forward. Is this another and, uh, quote from Mandy that you're about to read to me? <laughs> no, I mean we, we can reread the Mandy quote. You can never really read a Mandy quote enough times. Uh, you know, especially I'm I'm really hoping that Mandy has a, a walk to remember this weekend uh, in Chapel Hill. Uh, but yeah, but but you know, we, so here's here's the the bleak reading, which is. The last time we beat Virginia was October twenty second, two thousand sixteen, uh, oh in gosh. in Charlottesville. Mitch Trubisky was our quarterback. Five years. It's been five years. It's been five years. Wow. Uh, the last year we played Virginia on Halloween, lost that game yes. forty four to forty one in, in crushing fashion. We were ranked fifteenth at the time, uh, and they've won their first two games. They put up they put up forty three points in their first game and forty two in their second. They beat William and Mary in Illinois, and they look like a pretty good football team. And all those things have happened, and yet somehow we're still a nine-point favorite at home, which which every text message I've exchanged with even the most optimistic Carolina football fans this week, we all seem to agree that line is uh, at least five points too high. Yes. So, I, I, you know. If you have a lot of money that you don't care about, that you're just like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Either I'm going to burn it or I'm going to throw it up in the air and let, let it be. Now is the time to go to a casino and dump that on that money. Or, I mean, not even money line, but just take the points for Virginia uh, and ride that out. Because I, I don't see a world in which where we beat Virginia by 10 points. You know what I mean? So I I, it, I would love would, to be proven wrong. I would love to it, be proven wrong. I'm not going to bet the money. I, 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 I know how good of an investment opportunity it is, but I am not going to bet the money because I will never, ever, ever bet against my team. I would rather double mm. lose uh, or experience a, a double high of winning unexpectedly and covering. That'd be amazing too. But this one feels this one feels a little bit off. And I get it too because we're a team that has a lot of talent. We're playing at home. It, it should be a different story. But this is a Virginia team that just always plays us tough. And, and to paraphrase Mandy Alonso earlier, I'm not going to read his whole dumb quote again, but they're guys <laughs> that want to go hard. You know, yeah. they, they, they want to. They have a very blue collar mentality, and we yeah. have a very like Showtime mentality. And usually, when those two things meet, the blue collar team kind of hits the the Showtime team in the mouth a little bit. But I I do think we've been hit in the mouth. I think Virginia Tech thoroughly thoroughly hit this team in the mouth, and I'm hoping that that sets the tone that you know they are they are up and they are ready for these guys to come in and get the win. And especially because they've scored, like you said, over 40 points in their first two games. Here, here's my double insult uh, for Virginia right here is that they have stolen the identity of their hated rival Virginia Tech because they yes. are very much a lunch pail team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and secondarily, their hated rival Virginia Tech woke us up a little bit. They, they did punch us in the mouth. We're, we're, we're tasting a little bit of our own blood right now. Yes. And so I, I think for that reason, 
especially like if you're trying to find a silver lining in the Georgia State game, maybe it's that we didn't cruise in such convincing fashion that everyone came back to the meeting room this week and said, we're great. Yeah. We're gonna block. We're gonna block everybody. We don't care who's on Virginia. We're we're gonna get a pass rush. We're gonna do whatever we want to. We're gonna stop the run. There are still clearly issues there that Mac Brown has said out loud in public. There are still issues here. So to me, that says okay, these guys are gonna come in. They're already talking about how we're soft and, and they're gonna sustain their effort for longer periods of time. They're out here to prove a point, and and that's what I hope happens. Is, is these guys say, look, we know people think we're good. We know we're showtime, but also like. We can put our hand in the dirt, you know. We 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 can do we can do some blue collar work too, and 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 you know we're we're still a public university. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. The number and we're one gonna do public, public university, university things. Yeah, you know that. Number one, just like Ronald Curry, who we stole from your state. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, though, Mac Brown said it perfectly. I thought I watched his little you know press clipping as he talked about Virginia. He said they should be ranked ahead of us, and I think that is the mentality that you take into this game. Like if we were to do the ACC power rankings, right? Virginia Tech and Virginia would be ahead of North Carolina right now, and I think that's very fair to say. I don't think that's any shade. The you know the what we, what we have cooking with this program, but I think it's also paying homage to what we've seen so far this season. Virginia's look better. Virginia Tech beat us head-to-head, so they're going to be in front of us, and that's fine, but I hope that the rest of the team takes that mentality from Mac, and Mac saying that they should be ranked, Mac giving them you know, their flowers, so to speak, before this game. I, I'm all in on that because that should be the entire... We, we should be the team that has a chip on our shoulder because Virginia thinks they're better than us, you know what I mean? As opposed to the other way around, and I know this is all mental gymnastics at this point, but it's college football and a lot of this does come down to these types of things and emotions and feelings and the crowd and yada 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 and that that type of you know bs that a lot of people that are nihilist say doesn't exist but me trying to be an optimist i think keating can provide that atmosphere and i think if we're we buy into we've lost five years in a row in a row to these losers Let's have a Gio Bernard type moment. You remember when NC State had won five years in a row with TOB, and then you know finally Gio returns that punt return. I was at that game. I it, it was like finally the monkeys off our back. Finally we did it, and that's what this game should be for this team. I, I absolutely agree, and I think that your point about Keenan is the same way I feel about the atmosphere in Lane Stadium in the opener. It's yeah. one of those things where you can take the crowd out of the game, or you can invite the crowd into the game. Mm-hmm. And in Lane, we made certain decisions like, okay, we wanted to defer. They they marched down the field, wore a bunch of time off the clock. You know, we we went, you know, we 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 gave the ball back quickly. Like we invited the Lane Stadium crowd into the game, and so then yep. they had a huge impact. In the same way that if we go into Keenan, we score some points early, we get everyone kind of stir, stirred up into a frenzy. That's going to be a factor in this game, and, and you know, because Virginia, I mean. They played two home games, and I'm sure it's great atmosphere down there in Scott Stadium. But, I mean, this is the first time they're going on the road since fans have been allowed back in stadiums. So, this, it's yep. going to be a different feel for them. Um, so, I, I think that, you know, those are all – This sure, is not a wine and cheese game for us. This is, you know what this I mean? Is, this, this is the time that North Carolina – because let, let's just be honest about it, right? The only two schools that try to one-up Carolina as far as, like, we are better than you. Like, we talk about pretension, right? Like – Virginia fans think that they're better than North Carolina. Duke fans think they're better than North Carolina. So if they want to be that way, let today's not the day to be wine and cheese. Let's be blue collar because they think they're they're more elite than us. So let's get dirty. That, that, this that, is this that, is that, a this game. Is time. <laughs> this is this is a this is like a, a a nice sort of hors d'oeuvres and cocktails party where the, yes. the linen you know the the, the linen <laughs> tablecloth's been laid out. But guess what? Two guys got hammered 
on Chardonnay, and they're going to brawl, yes. and they're going to tear those linen tablecloths off yes. and get down the mud and, and, and get Fox after just it. had too much Kim Crawford, and now he's about to tear it up. That's ex- that's exactly right. We we've been slapping the bag for the last forty five <laughs> minutes and about to bring the demons out. I I just, I just think that it's one of those things where everyone's saying it's going to be that type of game, and and these two teams are, are determined to prove that it's not going to be that type of game. So I'm very much looking forward to that. But I think that you know, people say uh, you know obviously SEC gets a ton of talent, the best recruits go there. But I think the ACC is a gauntlet, especially when we've looked at the schedule this last week for the opposite reason because you have teams like. You know, like both of the Virginia teams, like Pittsburgh, that are like, yeah. dude, we, we just go out and we're just consistent every single year and, and we grind and we work hard. And so, you know, your, your, your Showtime teams are going to come and go, but we're still going to be here winning at least eight games a season and getting results. And, and I think this is, this is one of those games, and when we play Pitt on a Thursday later in the season, it's going to be one of those games where it's like nothing's going to come easy and we have to fight for the entire game. And that's yeah. how it should be. Like, if we can sustain those types of tests and win games, well, then maybe we will do everything we need to do to get into the title game and, you know, win the Coastal, win the ACC championship, and maybe have a shot at the playoff. That's the only way we're going to get in is if we do those things. And you hope that we've had this, you know, bulletin board material everywhere. You know what I mean? I believe that, you know, Dre Bly and the AJ Blues of the world and, you know, our coaches are, are very good at finding motivation for our players. And I think Mac Brown has done his best to to work his media magic to, to kind of spin it to, hey, Carolina, you know, this is going to be a tough game for us. You know, Virginia's a really good football team. Like, let's give them all the juice and all the gas that they want before this game. Let's let them read all the nice things that we say about them, how much we enjoy their program, how much respect we have for their culture that they've built at their program and then let's go beat the shit out of them you know what i mean like that that is the 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 way that it works that especially playing at home in chapel hill against you know a school that when i grew up i mean we we expect to beat virginia you know what i mean i expect to beat virginia in football and in basketball and virginia fans will argue that and say well tony bennett this whole era where we dominate you guys yada 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 yeah but still in my mind even though that may be true i still expect to beat you and uh i i don't want that to the, that tide to turn and that to become the new thing where virginia fans are like all up in our face but i will say i don't hate the idea of us cutting duke out and cutting state out and virginia and north carolina being the best rivalry in the ACC because that would be fun. I, I I don't hate the idea of that. I will say, Virginia fans, I don't I don't hate the idea of you being who I hate, which is a, a compliment in and of itself. Uh, but otherwise, get ready for Saturday. I, I I don't know if there's a better place to end this discussion and conversation than let's go beat the shit out of, out of Virginia. <laughs> let's go beat the shit out of Virginia. Let's just go do it. Yeah, I just say that, that there's nothing more to be said. Yeah, that's that's all we're asking of this team because you and I, we would love to. Are you going to be at this game? By the way, you're not going to be at this game. I, uh, are you, know, are you he, on the he fence doesn't listen, about going he doesn't to, this listen game? to this podcast, so I'm gonna I'm gonna air some grievances at this okay, moment. Please, there is an unnamed North Carolina alumnus alumni. Do I know I, him? You, I think you know him. You do know him. You do know him. <laughs> oh, who who has scheduled? Wedding, wedding adjacent oh activities on oh. two Carolina football weekends this fall. Classic. Virginia this is, and Miami. This is when and, you turn this is when people turn against their friends uh in the South. You know what I mean? Because the people that schedule weddings during, you know, March Madness, like my friend Bryce, he had his wedding during March Madness. I was like I mean, then there was a pandemic, so it all kind of worked itself out. But at the time I was like, I can't be there. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be at yeah. March Madness working. Carolina football. I can't be there. I'm gonna be watching Carolina football. 
I, I but you you'll know, be there. Look, you schedule schedule your stuff how you want to schedule your stuff. <laughs> I'm I, I've made large asks of this individual in the past uh, okay. related to my own wedding. Uh, so I'm you know Fair I'm enough. gonna I'm gonna do it with a smile on my face. But you better believe that whatever time it is seven seven thirty on Saturday night. Yeah. If they're not sitting around a TV screen, I certainly will be because I'm not missing a second of this game. I can't, um, I can't tell you how many games me and my brother, uh, my brother especially, that have watched on our phones, you know, at weddings, at, at these types of events. You know what I mean? So everyone gets that too. Your your brother Gil texted me this week, and made a very very nice <laughs> offer to take me up into I think it's the Corey box, uh, four tickets, fifty yard line. Oh wow! And I I explained the situation to him, and he's like, I just got a text back. He's like. Dude, I'm just I'm furious for you. I'm like, thank you, Gil. That's what I, that's what I needed. I needed that level. Of, I'm furious for you. I'm like, that's that's a Carolina football fan. Yeah, and, and yeah. he was. And and I'm sad that I won't be able to. I, I there's nothing better than than taking in a Carolina football game with Gil Frazier. It's one yes. of life's great pleasures. Oh man, he he is the number one uh, true blue fan. He is you know on the message boards. It, if you think that we have any issues with our research and things like that, it's because we didn't talk to Gil. Um, and, That's uh, exactly so, right. so it is on e- us. Either we, we got it Gil. right or we got it wrong because we did not talk to Gil. In advance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And that's it. And that's it. I mean, Charlie, is there anything else before we get out of here? Uh, anything that we should say to the world other than beat the shit out of Virginia? Let's beat the shit out of the Virginia. <laughs> Let, let's let's go out there. And, I mean, I feel like there's there's no better place to end the show every week than just to remind people that it is a it is a it is not a four-year decision. It is a mm. 40-year decision. Yes, 40. And, and be the one. And let's go beat the shit out of Virginia. Be the one, everybody. We'll see you next week. Hey,